Hi, I'm Jill Starley Granger. I'm Alessia Horridge. And this is Shit Trips, the travel podcast about places we've been so you don't have to. We are travel journalists, and while we love exploring the world, this podcast is about the occasional glitches we'd rather forget and that you should avoid. Over the years, we've compiled a leaderboard of travel mishaps. We jet all around the world, and yes, it's true, we have stayed in palatial five-star hotels, sunbathed on perfect white sand beaches, but we've also eaten in dodgy restaurants, traipsed through some absolutely bizarre museums, and suffered embarrassing sessions with Chinese tourists uh, snapping selfies with us. This week we'll be talking about boredom in Kyoto, heartbreak in Croatia, and our guest, Sunday Times ski editor, Sean Newsom, will be filling us in on terror on the slopes in Courchevel in France. And if you've had a particularly shit trip, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at shittrips, that's S-H-I-T-T-R-I-P-S, at gmail.com. So, Alessia, you're going to start telling us about your amazing experience in my favourite country on earth, Japan. It's your favourite country on earth? Yeah, love it. Well, I've just got back. All right. Incredible trip, but there was one specific thing which, uh, which really let me down, actually. The Arashiyama Bamboo Forest. So this is... We're in Kyoto, uh, in Japan. Yep. This is a suburb on the outside. In the guidebook, it says, standing amid these soaring stalks of bamboo is like being in another world. You know, that's something that really makes you want to go. Arashiyama is a district on the outskirts of um, Kyoto that's been popular since the Heian period. You know, this is where nobles used to go to chill out with the cherry blossom. It's, a, it's supposed to be gorgeous. Um, and this bamboo forest is so good looking, so, so um, atmospheric that it's actually on the front of the uh, Lonely Planet Japan guide. So when I went to Japan on honeymoon, my husband and I were desperate to go to the bamboo forest. Yeah, they say it's up there with um, Fushimi Inari, which is that incredible temple outside Kyoto with all the orange gates, sort of their arches. Yeah, I would, I would love to have done it. But I was we, pretty excited. But, yeah. we did, but we didn't get a chance. So tell me, how did it go? Well, we were told to go at the crack of dawn to oh. avoid all the other tourists, which we obediently did. Got up at 5am right. on the train at 6.30. And we you're were, already jet-lagged, presumably, because Japan's like, what, eight hours time difference? We were long enough into our trip that it, it wasn't really an issue. So anyway, we kind Still. of stumble out the hotel. The hotel staff are all kind of mouths open looking at us. <laughs> what, what the hell are they doing? <laughs> on the train, it's cold. I've got yeah. to tell you, this was in... Um, March. Okay. But chilly. It was very it, chilly. It was freezing. Okay. We were going to lots of different places in Japan, so it wasn't like we were kitted out in snow gear. We got there, frozen streams. The sun was up, though. Sounds beautiful. It was gorgeous. It sounds lovely. Are so, selling it to and, me? Yeah. Until we got to the town. <laughs> right. Which was more like just a quiet suburb. Yeah, okay. Not Nothing open. Oh. Pretty sleepy. No coffee shops. We had to walk over a dodgy overpass. Oh. To get to this bamboo forest and you know it sounds so majestic doesn't it you'd think that you'd know where it is but the first thing that indicated to me that it wasn't going to be all that the book said it was was that we couldn't find it oh (laughs) all right you would think this massive bamboo forest you're going to see this for miles around surely well there was bamboo but it was more sort of like a garden than a forest. I've got bamboo in my garden, like a pot plant. <laughs> well, a very tall pot plant. Okay. Tall, tall thing. <laughs> but I was thinking, you know, in the guidebook, it said this is going to be like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. <gasps> wow. You know, I thought, yeah. oh, 
incredible. I love Crouching Tiger. You're going to go in, you're going to hear the, the breeze softly rustling through the bamboo. You're going to jump in the top, have some sword fights in the top of the bamboo. Yeah, that would have been good. Okay. A bit early for that movie. Well. You take some swords next time. Well, that could be where you went wrong. <laughs> well, that could be where I went wrong. In the In the guide, it said that this forest was extensive. Okay. And it suggested maybe renting a bike, but I've got to tell you now, if you rented a bike, you would have been through that thing in two minutes flat. It is tiny. So not really a forest. No. So much as a large pot plant. I mean, it was almost a garden centre. Okay. Are you sure you went to the right forest? (laughs) You didn't (laughs) actually. Do you know... What garden forest, how that looks written in Japanese, because it may have said (laughs) the the garden centre. There's just this one path through it. And it says, you know, it curves steeply upwards into the forest, but the most magic bit is just after the corner, when you're right into it. And there were sort of six tourists, we're all British actually, six of us at 7am in this forest, looking around going, really? Okay. Is this it? Lonely Planet Traveller is funding this entire bamboo forest. And I'm slagging it off a lot, but actually, though, you know, inside Kyoto is also guilty. So there's a path through the middle of it. You don't feel surrounded at all because there's this giant path through yep. the middle of this forest. And it's got those fences on either side, like when you're at Thorpe Park. Oh. And they sort of fence off the roads. This. So you can't really feel inside the forest because you're standing on a concrete path. With yeah, fencing. With because, fencing. Because in most, like I've been to beautiful gardens in Japan and you wander through them. They have, you know, all this sort of uh, gravel that's been swept a certain way. And My garden in Leighton's very nice. We've got bamboo oh. and I'm just beginning to think of another way to make a bit of money. There you go. <laughs> yeah. you oh, just... no, it's free. This, you know, this is a free oh. attraction. Oh, no, 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 no. We won't be having that in no. the uh, we no. did, uh, bamboo we did garden go... of Leighton. We went past a gate which was shut okay. and had a no bike sign on it that right. looked like you could go in between some trees, but it wasn't the main bit. Okay. I'm, I'm really sure. So, first of all, bamboo's not a tree, is it? Oh, okay. A grass. It's a grass. A it's grass. a giant grass. So, so, anyway, we were standing in the middle of the giant grass, right. freezing our asses <laughs> off. And, and even though the sun was up and gorgeous and blazing above, it, it was dark in there. All the guidebooks say, you know, the light is just fantastic. Yeah. You, you won't be able to take photos, but there's something really special about it. And really, the light quality was dark. Oh, sounds great. <laughs> so I'm picturing you on your honeymoon, you're on your honeymoon, in, you well, know... I wasn't on my honeymoon. Oh, I thought you were. No, no. That was you. Oh, yeah, that was yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> Nonetheless, I'm picturing you with your husband, um... In Japan, you're, you're going there for a lovely holiday. Well, all right, let's be honest. It's probably mid of work because everything we do is work as oh, well yeah. as, as holiday, vacation. You're in your sundress, you're in your sandals, Mm-mm. and you're freezing cold in the middle of the icy no, bamboo Jill, forest. I was wearing like six layers oh. and a giant coat and a scarf, <laughs> and I was still freezing. Okay. Well, that's the thing. All the pictures show people in sundresses and the light is gorgeous. So maybe this is maybe this is a summer what, thing. What time of year was it? It, it was March, you okay. know. But still, okay. I mean, anyway. why did they tell you to go at sunrise? Well, what kind of, I mean, the sun always rises in the same direction. It is the land of the rising sun. Well, it's mostly about tourists because the only thing that probably could have made this thing worse would be a million Chinese tourists yeah. sucking mm. selfies or... Or actually, in, in Kyoto, there are a hell of a lot of Japanese girls dressed in kimono. You can rent a kimono. Yes. And they dress up in these quite gaudy kimonos. And then they just totter about everywhere doing sightseeing. But it's so impractical because you can't walk fast at all. I kind of like the sound of that. I might do that next time I'm there. Well, your, your steps are <laughs> tiny anyway, Jill, because <laughs> you're <true>. small. <laughs> On our leaderboard of shit trips, 
I, it's coming in. At, uh, I think it's coming in at a strong sort of thirties position. Wow, let's, let's that's go in quite with high. That's quite high. So over the years, we've discussed many a shit trip, and we have about 200, 250 places now, and that's Easy. thirty-two. So where's your one coming then? The Museum of Broken Relationships, which is in Zagreb, Croatia. I'm going to put that at about seventy-eight. Okay. So I mean, it's there's no high stakes here. <laughs> I wasn't freezing. I did not get frostbite. <laughs> and I didn't have to get up at the crack of dawn. So it's got those two things Already going for win. it. Yeah. But beyond that, it was it was very poor. It so, sounds intriguing. I mean, this is an incredible title for a museum. It's a great idea for a museum. But yeah. what on earth do you show? It's called the Museum of Broken Relationships. It was started by a couple um, who lived in Zagreb in the early noughties. And... They split up. And as happens if you separate after living together, uh, they just had a bunch of stuff left over that was joint stuff they didn't know what to do with and a bunch of just random things. As one does, they decided to create an exhibition out of this. (laughs) So Close collaboration (laughs) between two people who are in the process of splitting up. That sounds so much fun. (laughs) Yes. So, But they created this exhibition, and here's the thing. It went on a world tour. The exhibition went all around the world in 2006. It was hugely successful. People loved it. I've yet to figure out why, but they did. Um, And then people, as they went around the world, people added their own broken relationship stories, okay? So this all sounds intriguing, right? There's nothing like poking around somebody else's private life, is there? Yeah, it's basically being nosy, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And also, you know, wallowing in someone else's misery, which uh, we all enjoy. Yeah. (laughs) So in in 2010, they opened a permanent museum to it in Zagreb's... Why is it Zagreb? It's because they... They, They're from Zagreb. They're from Zagreb, right. They're Croatian, right. Yeah, they're Croatian. Gorgeous, lovely, lovely town. I highly recommend it for a weekend break, but... But don't go there. I mean, no. I, it's just, it's, the, it's, you think it's going to be, and it's described, I believe they even describe it as an emotional roller coaster. Whoa. Ooh. But for them. that's too much for a weekend break. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if the weekend break's not going too well. Yes. That could be interesting, couldn't it? It could, well, you could take someone that you want to dump. Yeah. Take them there. Yeah, yeah. And be like, hint, And hint. go in there and I'll leave, you, I'll leave you here for a while. Just have a look. Oh. It seems yourself. kind of an extreme <laughs> way to break up with somebody, but it could be done. Is that you, why you hate it, Jill? Is somebody tried to do no, that No, no. They describe it as an emotional roller coaster, but as it turned out, it was more like a carousel. Do you remember when you were a kid and you used to see carousels and you'd get so excited? And you'd like pick out your horse. You'd be like, oh my gosh, I can't wait till it's my turn. You got on the horse and then you realize that horse did nothing. And you were going really slowly in a circle and you were incredibly bored and you kept thinking, it's going to get better. And you kept saying to the man when you went around, speed it up, speed it up. And he never would because of, I don't know, health and safety. So it was just a bit like that. It never got any better. So let me talk you through some so what, of the, yeah, I mean, what the highlights. Yeah, I mean, what stuff is in it? Right. The whole point of the museum is that they have um, exhibits left over from people's relationships. What kind of exhibits? Yeah. Right? I mean, what? Okay. So, for example, there's a very bizarre one. It's a long caterpillar. Like, you know, a children's <laughs> caterpillar. Or like the very hungry caterpillar. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Like, like a really... A draft excluder. Yes, like a oh, draft okay. excluder, yeah. sort of very long, kind of stuffed, soft children's toy caterpillar. Okay. All right. So this woman says, um, I had this big, truly big love, a long distance relationship from Sarajevo to Zagreb. Um, and so because they were long distance, she bought this giant caterpillar. I oh. mean, I... 
as you would. And every time they were together, they would tear one of the caterpillar's legs off. <laughs> what? Okay. Why? Why okay. would anybody do that? How what did they do with the leg? I, she didn't did say. They eat it. Or she didn't say. <laughs> See, this is the problem: is that all the stories in there have no context. So there's there's very little context. So all we know is that there's clearly a, a strange person who's decided this is how you should have a relationship. You have a giant caterpillar. You tear off a leg every time you're together. Well, at least it wasn't a real one. Yeah, no, maybe you know. <laughs> That's and true. when he left me. Readers, I pulled his legs off as well. You know, yeah, here's see, one of them in a glass case. Now that would be interesting. See, that's your that's your travel journalist uh, yeah. storyline right there. Yeah. But unfortunately, that's not how it went. They had the giant caterpillar, and despite the two of them being together for what she says was almost two years, there were only about four legs pulled off of this caterpillar. And then basically, she says, but naturally, as is often the case with great loves. The relationship broke, and so the caterpillar did not become a complete invalid after all. <laughs> I mean, is that the sign of true love, an invalid caterpillar? Yes. I don't know. The but Museum of Warped Minds but, but might be a better what, name what for it. What else did they have? That, that is just truly bizarre. It is bizarre, and also it's, it doesn't really make any sense, does it? No. And so some of the writing is part of the problem, because basically people just mail in postcards, and a lot of these stories make no sense whatsoever, and you just don't care. You spend a lot of time reading the <laughs> stories on the wall, because all, all it is is words with a random object, and sometimes the object seems completely unrelated. And you don't really care about these people. You don't know who they are. And a lot of them just don't know how to tell a story. So this one, though, um, I thought was interesting. Um, this man says, I waited almost 40 years to learn the meaning of the word love, and which sounds great, right? This is going to be a big romance, yes. yeah? yeah? Yeah, but you know it's not because it's the Museum of Broken Relationships. <laughs> quite right, Alessia, hint. quite right. Um, these, this couple was together for three years. This long, very long, boring text is next to a child's like car, you know, one of those little cars, but like the kind toddler can get it to drive oh, okay. around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So about that oh, size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he says, when we loved one another, we loved without holding back. Okay. Oh, God. Anyway, <laughs> thanks to her, I climbed a tree for the first time in my life. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he goes on and says that... You, you can tell you're a true romantic, Jill. I mean, You've come really on. Patience for this. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so nauseating. <laughs> right. So he says, she knew that as a child, I'd always wanted a car with pedals, like one of those little toddler things, but I never had one. I was over 40 when one was finally given to me. And you're thinking, oh, how no. sweet. Then he goes on to say, she went for a walk with her sister, and there it was, next to a trash container. So she picked up a piece of trash and brought it back to her partner. Yeah, where's the broken bit of this the, relationship? There is, it, he doesn't get into that. He says this car represents our love. Now, the car represents their the, love. The piece of trash. The piece of trash represents their love, and then he just says... Because not, I've not even been to this museum, and no. I'm so frustrated yeah, just it's hearing annoying. about it. It sounds insane. Infuriating. So we we know they broke up on the first of September, twenty eleven. But he does not explain why. But he didn't break up with her because she Bottom literally picked something out of a bin no. and gave it to him. Yes, he this seemed, is not good enough for me. He seemed to love it. Um, and also, what are you going to do with that car as a grown adult? If you give it to a child, it's trash. It's, it's trash. Creepy. I mean, he doesn't go into how much rubbish was on it, but it does sound a bit dodge. So basically, all the stories <laughs> were just random and. And it was just a bunch of text on a wall. I felt like I just I wanted to read a book, maybe, about this. How much this. did you pay for this? Um... It wasn't much. It was like £3.50, which is like about $4 or €4. Euros. So it was quite cheap. 
But at the same time, it was an hour of my life that I'm never going to get back. And I could have instead been having some lovely drinks in one of the alfresco bars in Zagreb, which there are many of. Or just watching paint dry on a wall somewhere well, might have been. It's anyway. all about context. If you just had one story and one car, yeah. or, for example, an unmade bed, and put that in a room, yeah. then, <laughs> yeah. you know, the relics of a relationship, <laughs> it's art. Yeah. Yeah. But put a lot of them together and it's just ephemera. Yeah, it? but what you want from that kind of museum is you want proper grit juicy stories yeah. about, you know, yeah. vile breakups and, and you're getting a, a car. At very least a snotty, slightly bloody sa- uh, handkerchief that somebody wept into at the end. The, and this is the handkerchief. There was another story where basically this woman goes on how she was in a relationship with this guy for two years. And then at the end, um, it was her birthday and he gave her as a present a Galileo thermograph, which is a scientific instrument. Okay, And she rightly says... What the fuck? Could that be the kind of birthday <laughs> gift a 20-year-old girl would expect? Well, no. You totally get that. But it was just like... So, I mean, that was moderately amusing. Well, so she broke up with someone because... Because he gave her he Galileo gave her Thermograph. Uh, I think it's an it's intellectual... more interesting what, than vouchers. Yeah, you know? that's right. It's an intellectual compliment. It's a compliment. It's like you're brainy enough to use this. I don't, I don't know what it is. No, it's... Well, I've got a picture of it, but nonetheless, well, you're not going to know what it is, even if you see it, to be well, honest with you. No. I don't even know. No, you could compliment. just put it on your mantelpiece. It's better than getting thanks. a vacuum cleaner. I, I feel like it's the sort of thing this guy was like, oh, my God, I'm in a panic. I've got to get my girlfriend a gift. I'm at lab, because they were at university, uh, and he just okay. nicked it he from nicked. the lab. That's my guess. <laughs> in any case, none of the stories had really properly developed. These are the people... This is this is why this item was so important, um, yeah. you know, and this is what happened to them afterwards. I don't know. There's no context. The ones that I've given you were actually the most interesting. Right. So that is two ship trips. Ship trip one, Arashiyama Bamboo Forest in Japan. Yep. Ship, ship, ship trip two, the Museum of Broken Relationships in Zagreb. Which, interestingly, is opening up another one in Los, oh, in Angeles. Los Angeles. So yes. if you haven't been bored enough by the first one, you can now yeah. be you bored. Could, you could some... imagine that the Los Angeles version might be a bit more gripping, though, somehow. Uh, well, Is I it think... the same stuff? No, because it's been opened by an American, hasn't it? Who's... Yeah, we'll see. I'm not going to see. You go see. I'm not going back. <laughs> well, we'll see. So, Sean. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sean, you're going to tell us. I mean, your story sounds fascinating. I don't want to do this, but I, I wish I wanted to do it. Yeah, well, you it know, Eddie the Eagle um, had a film out last year. Um, somebody made a film, and there have been people talking about making a movie about yep. Eddie the Eagle for years, and somebody finally did it last year. And I'm a ski writer, and everybody knows who Eddie the Eagle is. Going ski jumping with Eddie the Eagle was like the story of last year, so obviously yep. you're going to do it. And I've jumped off things before. I thought, you know. <laughs> I mean, so like, who hasn't? Yeah, who hasn't jumped? I mean, we all jumped <laughs> off Especially stuff. when drunk. Yeah, and so I thought, you know, how hard can it be, really? It looks easy in the film. You know, you're on a television screen and, you know, it's, it's all a long, long way away. And, you know, Although I thought... Did, did you watch The Jump before you went? Uh, yeah. And I saw how scared people were. But, and, you know, they, they'd they never skied before. And you can only get used to going quite fast. And, you know, yeah. you might catch air off something, go into a terrain park and get... And I thought, well, you know, it'll probably be all right. It would be a lie if I said this was my... I was most excited about this trip. It was a kind of slight apprehension. 
but it'll probably be all right and it'll be a great story. And I got there. I went to this place called Courchevel in France. It's a big, uh, um, quite a posh uh, ski resort, very famous. And at the bottom, the bottom village is one of the main centres of ski jumping in France. Normal people can just go there and ski jump, can't they? Uh, no, you can't just turn up. Not like Eddie the Eagle used to do. And he would just turn up and say, you know, can okay. I have a go? Because he was are... the original have a go hero. And this company... They thought, well, maybe we can, off the back of yeah. Eddie the Eagle, we can, Stroke. you know, sell ski jumping holidays. So but people can actually I think loads of people would want to do that. I mean, it's no, a real... There are places you can do that still. I know in Germany, yeah. yeah, you just rock up. like what, There is Inga. a place in Austria where you can book a, a jump. Yeah, yeah and well, they'll there's... put you on. Most of them are on kind of 10 meter. The 10 meter ramp is like the beginner ramp. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, it looks, it's not very steep and the run out, not very steep. And you think, well, the worst I could do, it would be like falling off a wall. You know, yeah. like, how bad really can that I mean, be? Yeah, and then bad. there's next to very that, bad. and next to that, there's a 25 meter jump. After you've done the 10 meter jump for a day or two, then you would yeah. progress and go to that. And then, you know, if you were really, really keen and a bit unhinged, you'd go to the 60 meter jump, yeah. um, which is one short of Olympic. And then after that, there are just these things that go up into the hills and you you can't, almost can't see the start of them. So and that's a 90 and 120 meter. Now I got there oh, and it had been snowing. Our many American listeners don't know who Eddie the Eagle is. Okay, so Eddie the Eagle was the ultimate Olympic have-a-go hero. He was the starter. We've had a few of them since then, of kind of swimmers who can't really swim and ski racers who can't really race. But Eddie the Eagle had, was not a bad skier. He'd always wanted to be a ski racer. He was in America in Lake Placid trying to be a ski racer and you ran out of money. And you need quite a lot of money to go into ski racing. So he, taught, he saw the ski jumping ramp and thought, well, I've got no money to be a ski racer, but it costs less to be a ski yeah. jumper. So he went up to the ramp in, in, in Lake Placid and said, I'll do it. And after he nearly died a few times, he eventually yeah. made it made <laughs> it into the Olympics. I think that's a key thing yeah. for this story. Yeah. Yeah. Near, near death. Near he, death. But he, he <laughs> made it into the British Olympic uh, yeah, ski jumping did. team. Yeah, he did. And uh, there were no competitors, uh, as far as I remember. This was in 88. The that's Calgary right. Games in 88. He was the he ski jumping last, team. He came last. And for many people, he was a national embarrassment. But mm. when you actually meet him and you realise how ski jumping worked. The respect you have for him, just mushrooms. Oh, I think that, he's a hero. That's how we get to the shit bit of this trip, yes. right? Yeah, so, yeah, right, yeah. so you're you're in um, Courchevel. I turn up in Courchevel and it's been snowing. Okay. Okay, now the Courchevel jumps are very well managed. Um, they do a lot of training with the kids. A lot of the people in the village have kids who do ski jumping. So this thing has run really well because it's their families and they care about it. But the snow clearing is done by the local authority as far as of my understanding of it. And, you know, they hadn't really got around to clearing the ramps when I turned up and it was still kind of snowing. And well, you know, we'll see where we are in the middle of the week. By the middle of the week, none of the ramps, so the only one of the ramps had been uh, cleared, and this was a 60-metre one. So this okay. is oh the one gosh. that's short, just one short of the 10-metre. No, you can't use that, Sean. The 25-metre, no, you can't use that. But, Sean, do you know, I'm actually beginning to think the 60-metre ramp is going to be better for you for your first ever <laughs> jump because the run-out, the run-out is much longer. You won't have to pull up so quickly, and I'm thinking... I just, I'm going to hang off this thing and just jump off. I, I can't believe you're actually sitting here today, alive, 
it 60 was meters 60. for your first okay. ever so ski first jump. Were you wearing the suit? Were you, did no, you have I didn't, the training? I, How, we, you... we just spent a couple of days kind of mucking about in a gym with a bunch of 12-year-olds on this thing <laughs> called Le Chariot, okay. which is a, a two inline skates on a wo- underneath a wooden kind of platter, a crate, and you have to push it, run up to it, jump straight on it with your feet both flat, side by side, carry along the floor. There's a bar, a little kind of like a little hurdle. You have to jump over that and land on the trolley without the trolley shooting away, without you falling off. If you get that right, you will be a good ski jumper. If you don't get that right, then you will probably fall and hurt yourself. And and were you getting it right? No, not at all. (laughs) But it didn't seem to matter because I thought, you know, it's probably not going to happen. Look, there's a 60-meter jump. Right. They're not going to send me down that. And they did. If they have ever taken a member of the public who was paying to do this I'm sure they wouldn't put them on a 60 metre ramp but I am a travel writer I had a deadline I had to get the story yep. if I didn't get the story all we all knew that can't write about not ski jumping because no. because the ramps are all shut so I'm sure they wouldn't put any normal person through this but they put me through it with my total collaboration because you know I wanted the story and I wanted the fee they put me on the ramp first, which is the landing, rather. It's called uh, La Reception in French. And um, they said, a great way to get started is if you just ski straight down the landing, which is near vertical. It's so vertical <sighs> that when you stand on the edge of it, you can't see the middle section. Oh, my God. So the, that uh, is the terrifying. people just go down and they disappear. And if they come out the bottom, they haven't fallen off. Oh, my God. But so you watch the kind of person. <gasps> And you basically just have to let yourself go down that, holding your arms out wide. Okay. And um, it, the acceleration is so fast and so unexpected and so dramatic that you go into what the coach called a black hole, which is basically um, sensory overload is so intense that you sort of blank. You go blank. You can't think. You don't yep. have any recollection of what happened. <gasps> and apparently this is quite normal for ski jumpers. You just have to make it as narrow as possible. Okay. Um, so I did this about 10 times. Oh, my God. Um, How did you get yourself to do it the second time? Yeah, the second time was probably harder. And the thing was, the French team, the French youth team, were all practising on the 60-metre ramp, 90-metre ramp next to me. So occasionally there'd just be this rattle next to me and this... (laughs) As this guy literally tore the air. It sounded like the air was being torn. As he went, and he'd kind of go shooting down and then I'd go off. And I did, I said to Eddie, you know, aren't you scared? And he said, "No, no, not really. It turns out that he was the kind of guy that, you know, if somebody said, Eddie, go and jump off that building. Eddie, there's some scaffolding. Climb up, jump off. He would. He'd just be that guy. But you're not okay. like that. I'm not like that. I mean, that's that's not... Um, most people aren't like that. No. No, you know, right. you know, there's only one Eddie the Eagle. And so he was happily... He did a couple of uh, training runs with me, and then he actually did a big jump. All right. So anyway, I got on the ramp after on day two. Uh, what they didn't tell me, they prepared me in all sorts of good ways, but what they didn't tell me was when you stand up off the little rail that you sit at sit on your skis start moving immediately <gasps> and uh the one thing you mustn't do is lean back so i began to stand up <laughs> so and, immediately and, back. Med- and my my skis came out of the rail <gasps> and the guy oh. who was filming me just dropped his camera and went oh shit because he thought this is going to end badly oh no oh no and um i so i was kind of way back and all i can remember the only thing that saved me was tony the uh, brilliant uh, coach next to me shouting on avant on avant get forward get forward get forward because he was bricking himself now because right. he thought we've got this yeah, journalist travel he's going to fall yeah he's going to uh, fall off because you go off backwards basically you land on your neck or your back oh my so gosh. Um, I just managed to get myself forward um, oh. too far and then just and I popped off the end shot down 
Uh, I can't really have any D- memories of the bottom. Did you still have your skis on? Yeah, I had your skis on, shot down to the bottom, got to the bottom, kissed a dog, took the skis off. Photographer came running down and said, Sean, that was good, but we didn't really get the shot. Uh, <laughs> and there's no video. <laughs> uh, uh, will you do it again? It's like, no, I'm not no. doing that again. You landed. Yeah, I landed. I was fine. I mean, all sorts of things that happened in between this. I, you know, I spent the whole night awake thinking yeah, about my kids. Yeah, what were you kids. thinking about when you were sitting on, what is it, a ledge? Yeah, so you sit across the, the actual ramp on a little bar. Uh-huh. And then you stand up. Now, I thought, I was sitting there and I just thought... I, I'm pretty terrified. I'm scared enough to be thinking I've got to hold this together. Yeah. Because if I don't, then it's going to go wrong. And I'm and I've got to hold it together for my kids. It was all a bit trembly, bottom lipped. It's like I love my children and oh. I've got to do this. And I thought, well, I'm not. I don't actually know how bad this is going to be. It might um, be fine. It might be fine. And no, it was horrible. But you, know, you landed if, it and there was I no feeling fine, of elation. You, know, you no, weren't like, yeah. No, it was just oh. too far, too far. Oh. Sixty meters. In one go. And here no. you are today telling us about why our listeners should not <laughs> go. So, so Sean, <laughs> that's, that uh, does sound terrifying. Um, but to wrap up this week's episode, we, we're always going to try to give a few little tips, aren't we? Oh, yes. So, Alessia, what would your tip be? My um, tip would be don't go to the bamboo <laughs> forest in our show. Uh, my tip would be come to my garden in Leighton in northeast London because we have bamboo as well. And uh, it sounds like almost as much bamboo as that. We've got three well, parts. I, I, no, no, no. I would say stay up late yes. in your hotel room and watch Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon yeah. instead oh. of going. So there's, there's no tip about, for example, maybe going to a different garden or well there is a garden another garden that incidentally is at the end of the bamboo forest path yes um and it is a garden of a 1920s silent film star in japan oh yes and he he built this beautiful house on a ledge sounds lovely uh, uh, sort of on the edge of the valley and it looks out over the valley and it's got an absolutely stunning stunning it's banned it's an extraordinary garden. Yes, but you, so, did you see it? Uh, no, we did not see it because we were there at bloody 8 a.m. Oh, in the morning and it was closed. Right. So the tip would be don't go to the bamboo forest, it's not a forest, at sunrise. Go when this other garden is open, so at least you have that. Exactly. Okay. And for me, so just across the street from the Museum of Broken Relationships was the much better, about the same size, it's only going to take you like maybe half an hour, 45 minutes, Museum of Croatian Naive Art, which is a style of art that they developed in Croatia in the sort of early 20th century, late uh, late 19th century, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. And it is sort of, it looks almost like children's drawings or children's sculpture in a way, but slightly more sophisticated and it, it tends to have a more of a story and an ethos behind it. So, you know, there'll be a picture that looks very naive and childish of some people carrying a man um, off to um, off to a funeral, for example. <laughs> and so silly. it's sort of... But no, it, it actually is fascinating. It was, worth it. it was totally worth it. It's about the same price. It's across the street. It, it's, about, it's about 20 times better. I'm not doing a very good job of describing the art, but the Museum of... Croatian naive art is is really interesting. Okay, Definitely great. And Sean, worth it. for thrills. If someone really wants to go for it. Just go skiing. <laughs> you don't have to jump off a 60 meter ramp to have a fabulous time in a ski resort. And you know, there was powder, it was deep powder. It was a perfect week, perfect two days. Clear blue skies, soft fluffy powder, the kind of stuff you can pick up in your hands and just blow oh. off. And um 
Much more fun. Uh, you were stuck breaking it at the top stuck, of it. Yeah, at a stop oh, of a okay. ski jump. All right, well, thank you very much, Sean. Remember, email us if you've had a specifically shit trip. We'd love to hear about it. Yeah. That is shittrips at gmail.com. Uh, we'll see you next time.